I'm Dr. Kimberly Manning. And this is Dr. Ashley McMullen. And you're listening to the Human Doctor Podcast, where we explore the human side of medicine, along with teaching, living, learning, and all things in between. Using the power of storytelling, conversation, and connectedness. Hey, we're two dope academic internal medicine doctors, but we ain't your doctors. So if you perceive anything we say here as medical advice, no, it ain't that. Also, the things we say, they only reflect our brilliant black woman magic mind and not our employers. You could have been anywhere, y'all, but you chose to be here with us and we appreciate you. Let's, Let's go. What's crack a lacking? How you doing? I'm doing well. It's been a uh, chill morning for me, which I can only be so grateful for on a Monday. Okay. Okay. I cannot say that it was a chill morning for me. <laughs> Although I did get a hit workout in this morning nice. uh, and uh, that felt good, especially considering that I am on the homecoming hangover, oh. not alcohol hangover, just the hangover from homecoming weekend. Yes. You got to let us know how uh, Operation 5th Gen went down. Okay. So Operation 5th Gen was as successful as it could be. Mm-hmm. You know, of course, we want our son to choose the school that you know, feels right to him and the most speaks to his spirit. He told me that he has nothing negative to say about Tuskegee. Okay. That he had a very, very positive experience. And, um, and I think one of the parts that was really impactful for him is um, we have this thing called the legacy walk. And uh, maybe probably about 15 years ago, um, if you were an alum, you could buy one of these bricks and mm-hmm. get it. Um, you know, your, your information put in it. So all of my family has all their bricks together. Mm. So my son basically saw these bricks that had like my, my great grandmother, my grandmother, his great grandmother, Oh my God, his great grandfather, my father's brick, my mother's brick, all his aunties. Like we probably got something like 20 bricks. all together. (laughs) That was really, really pretty powerful for him. Mm. Yeah, we got a tour of the, you know, the whole school, like a formal tour. So I was very impressed with myself as his mother, not just, you know, winging it, being like, yo, this is where we used to be doing this. (laughs) (laughs) Because so much has changed. And, you know, when you went to college pre-internet, pre-cell phone. Oh, man. (sighs) Yeah. So, Mm. and um, yeah, so we had a nice, a nice tour. And, you know, I used to be a university escort. So I used to do the campus tours and. Mm It was just really neat to kind of hear, kind of have the cobwebs dusted off and hear some of the really dope facts about Tuskegee, some of which include um, because Tuskegee was built, you know, in a time of, you know, post slavery, um, the school was really built by hand by students. And it Mm -hmm. is the only university um, in the United States that is a national historic site. So a lot of the the buildings we can we can renovate them from the inside but not from the outside so anything that looks new on the campus was built new mm. but like the dorm that i lived in it's really needed frederick douglas hall it still looks old you know but you get yeah. inside and they've renovated it oh that's incredible i didn't know that about tuskegee mm-hmm. man and have you ever heard of the homecoming challenge no i have not okay so the homecoming challenge um I think a a woman who went to Howard started this, but 
um, several years ago started this thing where you go to your freshman dorm room, um, the first dorm you had as a freshman and you knock on the door and whoever is in the room on the side of the room that you were in, you bless them with money and with um, advice. Mm. So I have done this probably for the last, I mean, like not counting the pandemic, probably at least five years I've done it. And I always get lucky. My, my person's always in the room. So, <laughs> yeah. So, um, and you know, the more, the more um, you have, the more you can give. Mm-hmm. Um, so I usually, you know, give a nice little, little, little chunk of change and, <laughs> And I always give the advice to try to get a 4.0 your freshman year because everything gets harder after that. That was the mm. best advice somebody gave me. I wish I would have got that advice before freshman year, but <laughs> it's okay. I dug myself out the hole. It worked out for you. Yeah. Yeah. It still worked out. Yeah. Yeah. So um, you said you didn't do much this weekend. I'm sorry you didn't get to come to Tuskegee Homecoming with me. <laughs> you have fun. It's all good. Got caught up on some reading, some podcast. What are you reading? What stars are we on, Interplanet Janet? Oh my God, so many things. <laughs> Look, okay. So I finally got my hands on a, a book of a Rumi poetry. So Rumi, okay. the um, mm-hmm. well-known Persian poet, has been life-giving, <laughs> especially, mm-hmm. you know, with me, I tend to do a lot of intellectualizing, a lot of nonfiction and just you know, deepening my appreciation for the way in which poetry gives words and meanings to things that are hard to give words to. Picked up another book called Earth Calling. So it's kind of like your personal guide for how to, you know, think about um, climate change and climate activism in a Mm -hmm, lot mm -hmm. of different ways. Mm -hmm. I actually got this book at the Monterey Bay Aquarium, where I went for the first time a couple weeks ago. And so that's a nice book that's easy to kind of pick up and put down. Um, And again, thinking about the ways in which we are, you know, impacting our ever-changing planet. Mm. Um, And then, oh my God, huge shout out to the latest podcast series from our friends at The Nocturnist. Hey! Shame in medicine. Oh my God. Look, says, I don't know if you had a chance to to check it out yet. You got to get caught up. I haven't. I I have it on my queue. So I am definitely going to do that. So shout out. To Emily Silverman and the whole Nocturnus massive because they are awesome. Yes, yes, oh, I will, yes. I will be able to loop back um, on one of our next episodes so that I can have something smart to say. Cool. We'll put a pin <laughs> on that and then we'll circle back. Um, I, I don't have any really thing worth sharing that I learned because I'm serious. If you went to a HBCU, there's homecoming, but then like the two weeks before homecoming, you're completely <laughs> useless. <laughs> <laughs> so yes. that's what I was 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 pretty much useless. Yeah, I mean, I was taking care of human beings and doing my job in that way. But if you needed anything extra, no. Well, I want to take this moment to let people know it is okay to be useless. It is what it is. It is yes, ma'am. Without further ado, <laughs> I have been in eager anticipation of this Monday because. It is my turn to sit back and be blessed by a story from none other than the Grady doctor herself, Dr. Manning. So I know it's been a busy, relentless couple of weeks, but you always have a story to grace us with. I do. I do. I was going to do choose your own adventure today, but I decided (laughs) I wouldn't do that because that's just like 
cognitively stressful sometimes. So I won't do that to you. Oh, thank you. Appreciate the break, but I'll do it <laughs> next time. So what's the what? The what is greatness. Mm, greatness. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm ready for this one. The what is greatness. Is greatness a word? I think it is. It is, is definitely it? a word. Oh, yeah. okay. Okay, good. I was just making sure I didn't make up a word. I have been known to make up words. Yeah, well, we would have gone with it anyway. <laughs> so um, I think as probably every single person who has ever spent more than 10 seconds with me knows, um, I am a graduate of Tuskegee University and mm -hmm. also a graduate of Meharry Medical College, both of which are historically Black colleges. I think most people also know that my family, um, I come from a long line of people who went to HBCUs. But this story actually starts um, before I was born. And mm -hmm. um, it starts really uh, with my dad, uh, who had uh, the opportunity to go to college. He was one of 11 kids. And, um, you know, he grew up like a lot of people did um, in Birmingham, Alabama at the time with very little. Uh, for most of his child rearing time coming up, they didn't have any running water. They used an outhouse. It was like mm. 11 kids in the house. It was my grandfather worked at an ore mine in Birmingham. My grandmother um, stayed in the home. Um, nobody had really pursued any higher education beyond high school. I don't even I'm not even sure if everybody even finished high school. Mm. But um, my father was really intellectually curious and studious and was basically told that he you know was somebody who could probably do okay in college you know back then if you got told you could go to college that was probably going to be a historically black college this was 1961. Mm -hmm. so in 1961 my father has got been accepted to tuskegee and he was very very excited about this opportunity to become a doctor because that's what he wanted to do um, he was very good at science really good with people and his uh, college counselor, who had racial concordance with him, a black person, said, you know, if you're the first person in your family to go to college, you know, you really need to put yourself in a position to be able to help the family. Mm. And honestly, if you do not get into Meharry or into Howard, I don't know what you're going to do with a biology degree. If you really want to be helpful to your family and to your community, you probably should be an engineering major because that's where the jobs are for black folks right now, especially black men. Mm. Also jobs that take you out of the Jim Crow South, which was one of my father's hopes. And this person was well-meaning. And, and mind you, this person had not met a Ashley McMullen, had met a Kimberly Manning, didn't have a lot of those people around, didn't yeah. listen to the Human Doctor podcast. You know? <laughs> so, so all they knew was what was in front of them. Mm -hmm. And that was, how are you gonna help your family? So my father took six years to get out of Tuskegee majoring in mechanical engineering and um, didn't become a doctor. Obviously, when I came into high school and said, hey, you know, I think I might want to be a doctor. My father like pounced on that. He was like, oh, you could be a doctor, you know, blah, 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 you know, got all hyped. Mm. And the, the reason I bring it up is not because I became a doctor, but it was actually um, uh, in the spirit of what I just did last weekend goes back to when the time came for me to get ready to go to college. Now, there was a few things that my parents made very clear, but my father in particular, which was that he was very, very interested in us um, considering historically black colleges. But in addition to us want, him wanting us to go to HBCUs, he thought everybody should go to Tuskegee. 
He didn't care who he was. He didn't care what your major was. He didn't care what your GPA was. He wanted you to go to Tuskegee. I had made a decision to go to Spelman College or Xavier University. Mm. Now, if you black and you're thinking about an HBCU and you're a young woman, the truth is the places that you should strongly consider for pre-med are going to be Xavier, Spelman, and maybe Howard, mm. all of which I applied to and was accepted to. Well, I heard Xavier didn't have a football team, so that was out. So, no, <laughs> sorry, Xavier, but I'm like, no, no football team. What y'all going to do at homecoming? Anyway, <laughs> so I was pretty sure I was going to go to Spelman. Dad makes a decision to take me to visit. And of course, he takes me to visit during Tuskegee homecoming weekend, which we attended first. Um, and then on Monday, he brought me to Spelman, which was overcast and rainy mm-hmm. and all women. And I mean, I, I'm sure I would have enjoyed Spelman, but... I definitely um, did not get to see it in its best light after a glorious Tuskegee homecoming. Mm. I remember being really torn about this because I loved the experience visiting Tuskegee, but as far as my major went, me wanting to do pre-med, Tuskegee was a place that was known for engineers, for um, veterinarians, for Mm -hmm. architects, um, aerospace engineers, you know, not, not pre-med and, you know, my father was like downright offended and I kept telling him that I didn't know if I should go there mm-hmm. for that reason. And he, he was just like, you mean tell me since 1881, ain't nobody figured out how to be a doctor out of Tuskegee. <laughs> so I would end up going to Tuskegee and, and then the time came for me to go to medical school. Mm-hmm. And when the time came for me to go to medical school, I applied to all the historically black med schools, but I also applied to some other places too. Um, and one of those schools um, waitlisted me and another one of the schools accepted me and the HBCUs um, all accepted me. So I was in this space now where I was torn because what felt right was Meharry. Mm-hmm. When I visited Meharry, it felt like I felt when I visited Tuskegee that year. I was like, I feel like I'm supposed to be here, like I'm a thrive here. But I already came out of one HBCU, which is not the one that's known for people becoming medical doctors. I was already worried that maybe I didn't get accepted more places because maybe, you know, I should have gone to Xavier or mm-hmm. Spelman, right? But now here I am thinking about going to another HBCU for medical school. And I'm just like, man, I just, I feel like maybe I should go to this other school, which really did not feel like as welcoming or as warm to me. They didn't seem as excited about me as, I should, they should have been, cause I was dope. <laughs> but so my father says to me something that I have never, ever forgotten. He said, you know what? There is a point where you have to realize the greatness in you, you're going to be great no matter what. And at this stage in your life, the question becomes who will get credit for your greatness? Wow. Who, who will get credit? because you're going to be great. Will it be some institution that has a whole bunch of other people already on its roster? Will it be a place where the buildings were built by hand, by students, where the bricks were baked in a brick masonry and where people are all the descendants of human beings who were enslaved and who survived? Who will get credit for you? Mm. Because you're going to be great. He said, I think you should go to Meharry because you're going to be great. And, and, and when you are, everywhere you go, you should make sure people know where you came from. 
And that right there was a pivotal thing my father said to me. It was, I never, ever, ever forgot it. He was like, I knew you would get into medical school. I knew you'd be a doctor. I never, ever for one second worried about whether or not your education at Tuskegee would stop you from becoming a doctor. I never did because you have the work ethic, you have what you need, you have the support and that environment I knew as you were growing as an emerging adult, I knew it was going to give you what you needed. And I have to say, you know, as I was at homecoming this past weekend, I was just like, man, like walking around thinking to myself, gosh, I am so, so glad my dad said that to me. Let's not take anything away from from great institutions of Mm -hmm. higher learning. Let's not. I'm not doing that. But but these places are made up of people. (laughs) Right. So I was interviewing people for residency today. Right. And I said, look, we ain't the only place that can teach you to be a competent internist. Yeah. You will be a competent internist because I've looked at your application and you got what it takes to be that. But places are made up of people who is going to fan your flames, who is going to cast your feet off into the heavens so you can soar. Who's going to do that for you and who, when you are in your loneliest, most broken times, will have placed a mirror in front of you to show you who you are when the rest of the world does not know who you are Mm. who will do that for you and i will say that nobody does that for our children better than the historically black college and university nobody does Mm. and and i don't say this to say that if somebody did not go to an hbcu that they you know did the wrong thing you know, I always thought that the HBCUs were just something that was needed during my father's time, but it was really him helping me to appreciate greatness and why couldn't I take my talents? Why, 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 why should all my talents be assigned and given credit to somebody else mm-hmm. when this is the community that has been nurturing you and that created this foundation for you to even get an opportunity to think about going to whatever Ivy League school that you're going to go to? And that has been a message um, that I have passed on to as many people as I can. I told that to the young lady that I saw in Douglas Hall. I told that to my son when we were walking through the campus. I'm telling this to whoever is listening right now. And that isn't just limited to the HBCU. It's also um, something to think about when you decide to take your talent to certain places, right? Mm -hmm. You decide, okay, I'm going to go work at the VA. Somebody might be like, well, why why the VA? Why can't you, you know, well... it could be a, a good thing for you to take your talents and give it and pour it into America's heroes. Yeah. Many of whom <laughs> come from underserved backgrounds and who went to the military because they had no choice. So I am reflecting a lot on greatness right now. Mm-hmm. I am reflecting on um, how profoundly grateful I am that I get to know that every last accolade I get is a notch in not just one, but two historically black colleges belt. And that I had a dad who looked me in my eye and said, you're going to be great. Mm. You're going to be great. Wow. And I'm, and I'm really super hyped about that. That doesn't make me sad. It makes me really, really glad. And I, and if my kid doesn't go to, you know, Tuskegee and go somewhere else, that's fine. But wherever he goes, he will know that he's going to be great. Mm. And at some point, you are going to have to face your community and make sure that people know where you came from. Yes. 
those words feel so prophetic <laughs> from Mr. Draper talking about where yeah. do you attach your greatness to? What legacy do you point to? I mean, because you can't take anything with you. Yeah. Right. You cannot take anything with you. All you have to leave is is your legacy. That's it. Like, what what did you what did you do? Who did you serve? How did you show up? So so what is it going to be like all your all your degrees hanging on the wall? Ain't nobody going to care about that. No, (laughs) (laughs) don't care about that. Yeah. So there's got to be something deeper attached to it. You know, I I did not go to an HBCU um, and I I recognize, you know, kind of what that might have meant for me. There's been a lot of discussion on this um, in social media as well. It's like, what does what do the HBCUs mean for young black adults? And I think particularly what comes about is, you know, a sense of safety, Mm. a sense of pride and community. You're not the exception. You're not there like representing. You're not, you know, the token. There's a lot to be said about that. And also maybe you just want an opportunity to use every drop of your cognitive energy on just learning what you need to learn. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I had a friend um, say to me one time, um, like, you know, I know you're really proud you went to this historically black college, but doesn't it seem like things have kind of evolved where this is probably like, do you still feel fairly strongly about HBCUs? And she's because like, you seem comfortable when you go places. I'm like, I'm comfortable now. <laughs> <laughs> but what I said to her, which resonated, I said, have you ever as a white woman gone to like, I don't know, like a family function or a cookout of somebody black? You walked in and you was the only person there that was like you. She was like, yes. Not many times, but that has happened to me before. I saw anybody of any different cultural background than you. Mm-hmm. I said, okay, so imagine if you had to do that every day for four years and learn organic chemistry. At the same time. <laughs> and she was like, wow. I said, that is what it is like, especially at some of the most elite institutions of higher learning. Right. That is what it's like. It's like being at that cookout every day for four years and hoping you find like two people standing over there, you know, by the the Kool-Aid <laughs> <laughs> that, that look like you or that look like you and that aren't afraid to associate with you. <laughs> yes. Dang. Wow, it's real. Yeah. You know, I mean, again, it just kind of speaks to, like you said, where you, you, you feel that place that feels like home, that feels right. It's not always an HBCU, but open yourself to, up to the possibility for show because there's so much richness just being a part of that history and that legacy. Mm-hmm. But I, I also remember that with, with residency interviews, I don't think I've ever felt that in any particular location other than when I came to UCSF, mm. in part because I did not want to like it here. I was not trying mm. to move to the Bay Area, but it felt right, especially being you know at San Francisco General. It felt like coming home um, for that particular time in my life. You know, I didn't take a job there, but it was the right landing point for me to be able to to grow. Like that was the soil that I needed at that point in my life. That's a good like way to describe it. The soil that you needed mm-hmm. at that point in your life. Mm, I love yeah. that. And your spirit knows. I think you know, or spirit, whatever you want to call it. There's a there's a sense that's in each of us that has to kind of comb through the noise of where you think you should go, mm-hmm. or where people expect you to go, and like 
you know, if you always kind of adhere to that, that little nudge inside of you, you're going to be okay, you know, and it might be the place that you least expect. Yeah. And sometimes the world may not tell you that the best thing for you um, is the best thing for you. Mm-hmm. The world will tell you that something else is the best thing because value has been assigned to it. Certainly. Um, right. But that is why we have to be good stewards of our influence. Because I talk about my father so much because my father's influence was so powerful um, as it related to historically black colleges that I was walking around homecoming and people kept coming up to me saying things to me like, oh man, you know, oh man, I met your dad during engineering alumni days back in 1982. Oh man, I pledged Omega because your dad, oh man, uh, I ended up doing this because, you know, your dad said this. and, I, and you are you already know this, but you know the fun fact in my family is that my younger sister was a valedictorian who got accepted to Stanford, and who went mm-hmm. to Tuskegee. Why? Because Mr. Draper said. <laughs> and why you need to go to Stanford? You're gonna be great no matter what. Mm. Stanford got enough people on their roster. Come on over to Tuskegee and be with us. And guess where her brick is? Right on the right on the little path, right with the rest of the family. Hey man, I know she was with y'all this weekend. I saw some of the photos. It <laughs> incredible. That was awesome. Damn. Well, if anybody is listening and you know, if you don't have a Mr. Draper in your life telling you this, then you're gonna hear it from Dr. McMullen and Dr. Manning that you are going to be great. The greatness is in you. You bring the greatness and and you go where they're gonna fan your flames. And that yeah. might be a place like San Francisco General Hospital or Grady Hospital or Tuskegee or Meharry or wherever you find yourself. Um, but, you know, this process of um, applications, interviews is this is bi-directional because um, you got something to offer to. Mm-hmm. And if you're lucky enough to know it is greatness. Yes. Amen to that. Say word. Well, I didn't want to bring this up in the moment, but I was going to say you do have one other son that you can uh, give it a go with as far as Operation Fifth Gen. Well, my younger son has a very strong interest in Tuskegee, so more to come on that, y'all. But it it will not be because the HBCU and specifically Tuskegee was not presented to them on a golden platter in its full (laughs) glory. (laughs) It's not going to be something I'm just going to be like, yeah, you could go there. No, no, no. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to roll out the red carpet. (laughs) Well, I am fully invested in seeing the story unfold. So yes, yes, yes. All right, y'all. Root, root for me. Root for Operation (laughs) Fifth Gen. We got a brick form and everything. We ready. (laughs) (laughs) All right, sis. Well, I love you much. And I hope you have a spectacular week. Love you too, sis. I'll talk to you soon. That wraps up this week's episode of the Human Doctor Podcast. Special thanks to our favorite brother gastroenterologist, Dr. Chuma Obiname for the beats. Shout out to the Dr. Ashley McMullen for editing and production. Mad love to our podcast family at The Nocturnist and the Clinical Problem Solvers, our med Twitter fam. And especially shout out to all of you, our listeners. Until next week, remember, we see you and you are enough. Holla! Holla.